and get back to the Lord's house. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 23, if you'll stand with us this morning. I pray that God will speak to us. Amen. Let you find your place. Second Samuel chapter 23 and verse number 18. The Bible says, And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief among three. And he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them, and had the name among them. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning to help us and touch us this morning. Thank you for what we've already felt in this place. And I pray God now that you will... Give us liberty. I pray for sinners to be saved and lives to be changed. God, help us to be obedient to your will this morning, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning out of verse number 19 on the leadership, on leadership that is honorable. Leadership that is honorable. I want you to notice the person in this text. The Bible talks about Abishai. And when we think about Abishai this morning, the Bible has much to say about him. He's seen in 2 Samuel chapter 3, as well as he's mentioned in the book of Kings. And so we'll say something about that a little bit more, but we see his person. His, his name simply means a gift from God. And Abishai was a gift from God to David, as he's mentioned here, as one of the mighty men of David. Now he is not the first three, the Bible is clear about, but he's in that second category of this trio that is mentioned who were David's mighty men. Mighty men are a gift from God to those other men whom they serve and to society within and of itself. And then we see his partner. He is the brother of Joab. And Joab was not only his sibling, but Joab uh, was a soldier that served uh, uh, David as well. Uh, We know that Joab was one of David's uh, uh, mighty men that is mentioned also. He's not amongst the three here, uh, but we know this throughout the life of David uh, that Joab is mentioned and so we see his person, his partner and then the Bible mentions his parent here uh, Zeruiah. Uh, the Bible talks about that he was the son of Zeruiah. Uh, we know that this is one of David's two sisters. David had seven brothers uh, and he had two sisters and this sister here, uh, she had three sons. She said uh, uh, she had Abishai and she had Joab and then she had, uh, 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 I think his name was, um, well it missed it skips me right now, but it'll come back to me in just a moment. Uh, but she had three uh, uh, sons, and all three of them uh, served in David's military. And so when we think about uh, uh, Abishai here, and we look at him, uh, the Bible mentions these, these three brothers here, how that they were all men uh, uh, that were quick to kill. They, they were men that were vengeful. They were men that would draw blood very fast. In fact, David said in Second Samuel chapter 3 and verse 30, that they were hard men that they'd be too hard for him and so they started out uh, uh, not the men, not the leaders that they ought to be. Now if this proves anything, here's what it proves Uh, it proves that leadership doesn't always get to pick those uh, uh, that are serving under them Uh, David once he was anointed king, uh, he said and this day I am weak uh, though anointed king and these men uh, be too hard for me and so David had men that were serving 
serving under him uh, that served some that served under Saul but they were not of the same spirit as David but as they go on what we find is that David uh, God develops David and God developed those men under David that were willing to get under his leadership and follow what God was wanting him to do I'm going to tell you tonight or this morning that God puts people in our life for a reason amen you see tonight or this morning we're not here by chance or circumstance and if God put people in my life and he's put people in your life you need to recognize the people uh, that are in leadership that God has placed in your life they're there for a specific reason God is using them uh, to strengthen your person to strengthen your character to make you uh, the Christian and to make me the Christian that God uh, wants us to be Amen I think about Brother Green and how that this week in his preaching I thought about how God brought him into my life. And as a result, he not only brought him in my life, but he brought him in your life. And sometimes people are brought into our life that we wonder why are they there. Hey, listen, don't you be one of those people that uh, subtract people out of your life because maybe you don't like their personality or you don't like their charisma. Maybe they don't even have charisma. You don't like things about them. I'm going to tell you, there's things about all of us that uh, somebody doesn't like, but uh, God brings people together. Even in a church family, uh, God brings people together and he puts them under uh, the leadership of the man of God and the leadership of those that are placed in leadership. Why? That we might all grow and be stronger one together. There is strength in number. Can I get an amen right there? And Abishai, and Abishai was one who saved David's life in 2 Samuel chapter 21. Even though he started out not the man that David wanted him to be and David thought he ought to be, he was needed, he was necessary in David's life. Had he not been placed there, had David just missed him from his life. Uh, David would have never lived out all of his days and you and I have got to be careful uh, that we don't subtract people out of our life uh, uh, that God has placed there. You say, preacher, how do you know when somebody has been put in your life by God or the devil? I'll tell you how to know. If they're not living right, you know God didn't put them there. Now, God may have put them there for you to be a witness to. He sure didn't put them in your life for you to hook up with and run with. Can I get an amen right there? You young people, listen to me. Uh, listen, you make sure you choose your friends wisely and you choose your friends according to the leadership that God has placed in your life. Uh, if I was a young person, I'd be interested in what my pastor thought about who my friends were. I'd be interested in what my preacher's wife, if I was a young lady, uh, thought about who my friends were. I would listen to the counsel of my parents as to who uh, my friends were. I see it all the time in this world that we live here in social media world. Uh, uh, people just allow anybody and everybody to come in their life uh, uh, never thinking about the consequences. And why is it uh, uh, that they seem sometimes to embrace those uh, uh, that bring sin and evil and wickedness in their life uh, and they push out those uh, uh, that's going to give godly counsel that has lived longer that has life experiences uh, and can help salvage your life. Uh, well David was not like that. Uh, David my friend was a man uh, uh, that listen he used the uh, the men that God put in his life and not only did God develop him but God developed them amen something about staying with the people that God puts in your life because they're growing while you're growing and if you stay with them as they grow you'll grow 
If you leave them, you'll dwarf your life and, and possibly even devastate uh, and bring great danger to your life. Uh, David didn't have perfect men to develop and mold, uh, but that's what a good leader is. They take the people that God gives them and they work with them and they walk with God and they have influence in their life. Uh, well, when we think about um, Abishai in this text here, uh, we know that according to this text that he was a man uh, that learned how to follow. Uh, as he follows David, and becomes one of his mighty men. He was a man that learned how to fight uh, and he learned how to focus. Uh, he stayed focused on the fight. Uh, I would encourage you today, child of God, in these last days, uh, don't get sidetracked with everything and anything that comes down the pipe. Uh, you stay focused uh, on the fight. You stay focused on the will of God. Uh, uh, this man was a man who knew how to fight. He was a man who knew how to focus uh, and thank God he was a man who knew how to finish. Amen. Uh, he finished the battle that is started in. I'm going to tell you God put us in a fight and it's a good fight, Paul said. It's a good fight of faith, amen. And don't you become a casualty. You stay with it and you stay faithful and you finish the course that God has put you on. I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm determined to finish. By the grace of God, I'm determined to finish. There's no pride in that statement. I'm not boasting in that statement. I'm telling you young people a long time ago as a teenager, me and my wife, we got on an altar as just teenagers and we made our mind up that if everybody else in the youth group quit and if everybody else in the youth group walked away by the grace of God, we was going to live for God and we were going to finish what God put in our life. Amen. I want to finish. I think about people I went to school with. That their lives are a mess this morning. They've utterly, sin has destroyed their life. Bad choices. And yes, God is a forgiving God. And God is a God of mercy. And God is a God of grace. Uh, but if you can avoid the scars, if you can avoid the, the disaster, if you can avoid uh, the regrets, if you can avoid uh, a life of misery in any aspect, uh, life has enough mis misery, life has enough trials in it without you and I bringing trials into our life, ourself. Uh, I want to say this morning, I thank God for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't ruined my life. I'd have messed my life up. I'd have went the wrong way and so would have you. But thank God we have a gentle shepherd who guides us. We have a mighty David who leads us. You say I've made some mistakes. Well, you can get right with God. You can pick up the pieces and that same shepherd will lead you in the right direction. But you gotta be willing to follow and you gotta be willing to finish. Amen. You can't go your own way. And have a good life. It's pride in and of itself to say that we know better than God knows. God's will and God's way for our life is the only good way. And here's a man that knew how to finish. Uh, and I see this in Abishai's life. He's a man that knew how to fade. Amen? We say, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, here's a man that he is chief among the three. He's an honorable man, but he steps to the forefront. He does what is required of him. He does what is asked of him. But then he's able to step back. Uh, he's able to take a back seat. Uh, he doesn't have to be... 
in the forefront all of the time and that's good for all of us. I'm telling you we all need to fade at times in our life. None of us need the limelight. It can ruin us. We got to stay away from the recognition. I understand there are times when we recognize people and we honor them but we're not to relish in it. We're not to desire it. We're not to seek after it. I'm telling you if we do we will ruin ourselves. David stayed small most of his life. Saul was little at one point in his life. But the Bible tells us to take heed lest we fall. This morning we have to be careful that we realize that we lean on Him at all times. The songwriter said, The arm of flesh will surely fail you. And if anybody knew that in the Bible, David knew that. David lived for God. David loved God. David fought for God. David worshipped God. David wrote psalms about God. And David fell because of a weak moment in his life. You see what the Scripture proves this morning in this text. Notice with me in verse 18. The Bible says in verse 18 that he was chief among the three. Look at the last part of that verse that he had the name among the three. Look at the first part of verse 19. Was he not more honorable of three? Here's an honorable man. You see, just because someone is in leadership, it doesn't mean that they're honorable. Can I get an amen right there? Not everyone who's in leadership, I'm talking about politicians this morning. There are a lot of them that hold high positions. They have a high paycheck. They have an honorable position, but they're crooked as the day is long. Can I get an amen right there? There's a lot of preachers, amen, uh, that are out for filthy lucre and money and name and prestige. And they build the ministry around themselves and about themselves. And it's all about them. And they promote themselves at all times. Uh, They're charlatans. Uh, They don't care about the souls of men. They don't care about the spirituality of people Uh, they'll sell the truth in just a moment they'll generalize their sermon so they can appease the crowd because they're all about the cars and the cash and the numbers uh, and the board Uh, they're all about magnifying self Uh, and I'll tell you when they're gone the ministry folds like a tent Uh, it don't build it blows up and swells uh, and eventually blows out can I get an amen right there I'm talking about friend there are men uh, uh, that listen if you took their paycheck away today they'd quit preaching and find another profession because they're more interested in fighting their pocketbook than they are about winning souls. Amen. They would sell in just a moment. But I'm telling you this morning, Abishai was a man who was an honorable leader. Amen. He was a man that led for the right cause. He was a man that understood the responsibility. He understood that there was a cause worth fighting for and he was willing to put his life on the line and by the truth and sell it not. Hey, that's what we need in these last days. We need some honorable leadership that'll stand up in a day of cancel culture. That'll stand up in a day when people say you can't say that anymore. You can't preach like that anymore. I'm telling you by the good grace of God, I'm going to keep preaching like I've always preached. I don't care if it hair lips all of hell. I'm going to keep on plowing. I'm going to keep on preaching. I don't care if the house is full or empty. It doesn't matter if you say amen or just 
flesh look at me like a calf looking at a new king. God put some preach down in my soul about 30 something years ago and it's still there. Hallelujah. I like it when you shout but if you don't shout I'm just going to preach anyway. Because preaching will work. Amen. I'm telling you, preaching will still get the job done. And this evil generation that's been taught so much wickedness, uh, it's demonic society that we're living in. Uh, it's not going to be, uh, uh, listen, it's not going to be smooth sailing and roses uh, from here to the end. I already know that. Uh, you better have some alligator hide. Uh, you better make sure you got the armor on. Uh, uh, but by the good grace of God, uh, you got to be willing to look all hell in the face uh, and ask God to give you the grace and the guts and the grit. Uh, and to keep on standing where you've always stood when you first started standing, amen. I'm talking about honorable leadership and parents. Do the honorable thing. Do it when they're young, but do it when they're old. Do it when they like it and do it when they don't like it and they'll appreciate it when they get older. Honorable leadership when it comes to police officers and principals. You know, let me say this this morning. It's off the text, but I'm going to throw it in there anyway. I still thank God for law enforcement, don't you? I got no use for anybody that'll burn a flag or make fun of our police officers. Amen. I mean, listen, that same crowd that'll mock them and make fun of them and everything else, I'm telling you, when somebody breaks in their house, they're the first ones to dial 911. Well, if you want to defund the police, don't dial 911. Amen. When somebody, hey, if you want to get rid of our guns, amen, don't pull the trigger when somebody breaks in. I don't know where it come from, but it's in the text. He took a sword or spear and killed 300 men. Amen. God still believes in defending yourself. He still believes in taking a stand. I know the weapons of our warfare they're not carnal, they're spiritual, the pulling down of strongholds uh, that will be mighty through God. Uh, but I'm telling you, there does come a time in this life uh, when you gotta stand up for your family, you gotta stand up for your morals, uh, you gotta stand up for your principles. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, listen, when they wanna put drag queens uh, in our kindergarten class uh, and teach our children uh, and it's all right to have some kind of warped, sick, demonic, evil uh, indoctrination, uh, somebody's gotta stand up in the pulpits of America and provide that's not hatefulness and that's honorable leadership that says right is right and wrong is wrong amen somebody's got to be in the place where you're not you don't give a flying rip about people shaming you into not saying certain things you know why somebody says well you can't say that no more I'm going to keep on saying it so well, I won't be back here well, they, plenty of other places you can go where they'll water it down for you I'm not worried about somebody's feelings. I'm worried about their faith. I'm worried. I'm not talking about being a smart aleck. I'm not talking about being arrogant. But what I know as a pastor is this. I know that these young children growing up, if they don't hear that's wickedness and they don't hear that's wrong, and I know we got parents here that tell them that, but they need a man of God that will stand up and support their parents and echo what mom and dad are saying at the house. They need to be able to bring their kids to church and set them under the sound of the word of God and know that it's not just mom and dad. I'm telling you it's right. And mom and dad is right. And mom and dad is telling them what's right. They need somebody to scotch their, uh, those parents and stand behind them uh, and if it was wrong in sin 35 years ago it's still wrong in sin today amen yeah. honorable leadership's not always popular it's not always praised and it's not always profitable as far as this world is concerned but it's always right yeah. it's always blessed and Abba shine this text notice very quickly with me this morning 
I want you to see that this honorable leader, I want you to see first of all that he was a man of influence. The Bible said he was chief among the three. And I noticed that this was an appointed influence because he was chief. Who appointed him chief was David. He didn't go out and appoint himself. He didn't insert himself into a position. He didn't push his way into something. But what happened was he was appointed by someone who had the authority. Hey, listen, in the church, you don't insert yourself in positions. You don't, uh, listen, you don't push your way into something. If God doesn't put you there, then you don't need to be there. Is that right this morning? Uh, I'm telling you, let God and you let those in leadership appoint. There's a divine order. There's a structure. David had a structure. This chapter lays out a structure. Hey, God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. Can I get an amen? And just because something is disorganized, uh, and doesn't mean God is in it. Amen. I believe in following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I believe in letting God have His way. I don't believe in pushing God out. Uh, but I believe there ought to be some structure. There ought to be some order. We ought to know where we're going and what we're doing. Amen. Uh, uh, chaos. He is not the author of confusion. Somebody say amen. Uh, I'm talking about here's a man of influence. Uh, and the reason and he was a man of influence uh, is because somebody that had more authority than him uh, put him in the position that he was in. I don't want to be in any position that God didn't want me in. Because what it means in the end is I'll never have the influence I'm supposed to have, if any at all, if God didn't put me there. I don't want to push my way in. I don't want to promote myself. We live in a society that teaches that, that if you, you be what you want to be, you do what you want to do. And if you want to be that, you can be that, you can do that. And if people don't like that, you just find a way and, and, and you can be an influencer whether people want to or not. I'm going to tell you something. That principle is nowhere in this book I'm preaching out of. I'm going to tell you, God knows who we are. He knows what we can handle. He knows what we're capable of. I don't even know that about myself. He will put you, the Bible says, in, in, the Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. Due season. God knows when the due season is. Is that right this morning? I'm talking about a man of influence. I see the amount of his influence. He was chief among, notice this, three. It's not a large crowd. It's a simple crowd. But it's the crowd that God put him in. David put him there. David put him in that crowd. He was an influencer of three. Doesn't need a big, a big crowd. Doesn't need a big title. Doesn't need a big position. Honorable leadership works where it is placed. Honorable leadership stays in its lane. Honorable leadership does what it's called to do. Honorable leadership works with who is there. Doesn't worry about... You say, well, what does the size matter? It doesn't matter if you're all about the task. But it matters a whole lot if you're all about self. Amen. I'm telling you, numbers drives a lot of people in society whether it be on the workforce uh, or whether it be in the church house. Uh, uh, people, my friend, they see results only in numbers. But God does not see it in numbers. Uh, uh, God doesn't see it in quantity. Uh, God sees it in quality. Amen. God sees it in our character. Uh, God sees it in us doing the right thing. Uh, God sees, us in, uh, sees it in us being honorable. Hey, the question this morning is, uh, are you an honorable parent? Am I an honorable pastor? Are you an honorable Sunday school teacher? It's not about who's who. It's not about recognition. It's about us doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. He was a man of influence. Think about this this morning. Go down memory's lane for just a moment with me. 
Think of somebody from years past that God has used to influence your life. Do you realize most of the times that we were influenced by people, it was in obscure places, small settings, people that would often be overlooked by society and maybe even in the church world. But God used them to do what? Have a great influence in your life. And the thing about those people that influenced you is that they didn't even know they were really influencing you. You see this morning, here's how influence works. If I was to set out to be an influencer, there's nothing more than pride in that this morning. Because I don't know who God is going to even allow me to have influence. If I said to myself, I'm going to influence Brother Chris Clarity. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drive him nuts is what I'm going to do. In my mind, I'm going to think I'm this great person. That I'm really helping Brother Clarity's life. I'm influencing your life. Your life has got to be better today than it was yesterday because I'm working so hard with you. I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm just, I'm just working. I'm just, I'm just trying to be what I would call a blessing to you. He probably has a conversation with his wife like this. I don't know what's got into preacher. I wish he'd back off me a little bit. I wish he'd let, I wish he'd just, I don't know what's going on with him. Oh, you say, well, nobody ever think that about me. I'm sure they don't. You say, what's your point, preacher? The point this morning is, is that I can only influence the people that God allows me to influence and He's only going to let me see enough of that, if any of that, to try to be some kind of encouragement along the way, but the vast majority of it, I will never know until we get to the judgment seat and I may not even know then because it's really not about me. It's all about Christ. It's all about pointing people to Him. And if we have any influence at all, it'll be because He did it. I'm telling you, Abishai was and influenced to only three. But what a three he influenced. And what a difference it made in the battlefield. I'm telling you this morning, this was a man of influence because he served where God put him this morning. He was a man of identity. He wasn't afraid to be identified. The Bible says in verse number 18 that he lifted up his spear. When I think about this spear being lifted up, it represents bravery. It represented the battle. He was ready to go to the forefront. It represented boldness. He wasn't afraid to fight. Hey, we need some folks that will not be afraid to stand and not be afraid to fight in this hour. And then it represents brotherhood because if you go back to verse number uh, verse number eight there, the Bible said there was another man there uh, by the name of Adino and he lifted up his spear. I'm going to tell you, when Abishai lifted up his spear, he was on the right side. He was identifying himself with those other mighty men. He was not in that crowd but he identified himself with those other men because you know why? They served the same king. They fought the same battles. My friend, they had the same enemy. They served in the same army. They was from the same country. I'm telling you this morning, there are those that have gone on before us and they have labored and they have fought and they have been faithful and now they have passed off the scene. But you know what we need to do? in 2023 we need to lift up our spear we need to be counted my friend we need to be faithful we need to keep on keeping on my friend we don't need to be ashamed to be identified with those who have stood before hallelujah I've seen this men like brother Sammy Allen 
Men like Brother Lester Roloff, like Brother Milford Biddle, great men of God that have preached and stood for right and now they're dead. And people who would not touch them with a ten foot pole, they polish their tombs now and talk about how great and how wonderful. The only reason they say that is because they're dead and gone. They didn't believe the way they believed then. They don't believe the way they believe now. They didn't live like they lived. Hey, those men, if they were preaching in the area, they wouldn't dare come and hear them preach. You know why? Because they knew they preached hard on sin and they knew they took a stand that was right and they didn't like some of the things they said. Many times I would hear little comments made about different things and I would say to myself, oh, it wasn't the long offerings. It wasn't wasn't the black suit and the the black glasses that bothered them. Oh, no, friend. I'm going to tell you what it was. It was that sin killing preaching that got under their skin that they didn't like and they talked about them while they was living but now that they're dead and gone they'll polish their tombs and act like they're the greatest thing since apple pie. I'm telling you friend, listen, those that believe in honorable leadership they believe in standing when the battle's raging. They believe in standing on the right side and by the grace of God I want to honor my Lord but I don't want to dishonor the men that have been faithful, that have come Come on before and have stood for what's right. Amen. Great man of God died one day. And we were standing at his grave. And a young a man the same age as me and my contemporaries were standing there. And he made a foolish statement. Really told what was in his heart. As we were standing there, the I'm talking about the dirt wasn't even fresh on the casket. He said, well, I reckon now that he's gone, we can do such and such. And I said to him, I said, you know, if you believe that way about it, you should have done it a long time ago. And walked off. You pray for me. I got, I got so mad if you'd have cracked an egg on my head, it'd have fried in two seconds. I'm not, well, yeah, pray for me. I'm still mad about it right now. My loyalty is to Jesus Christ, first of all. I'll tell you, there's some things by the grace of God I want to highlight that. I never plan on doing because the men that came before me They were faithful men. They were honorable men. You say, preacher, are you doing it because of them? No, I'm doing it because of Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, even if I didn't see anything wrong with it, I just believe you honor those that have blazed a trail before you. And you stay faithful, amen. There ought to be something about, hey, I tell you what's not being preached much on anymore is respect, amen. I'm telling you, if there's ever been a generation coming up that needs to learn how to respect their elders, it's a generation that we're living in today. They've been taught disrespect. But brother, I'm telling you, listen, we ought to learn how to respect those that have been before us. Amen. And growing up, I had lost parents, but they, hey, when adults were talking, you didn't open your mouth. Can I get an amen? If you did, you might be picking your teeth up out of the floor. 
I'm just telling you the truth. They didn't have time to take you back and counsel them back in a back room and wear you out and then pray with you. They just reached over and knocked you across the face. Amen. Let that have you. So well, that's abuse. Didn't hurt us one bit. Amen. It helped us respect. Amen. I'm just talking about we need it. Amen. In this society, I'm saying honorable leadership. I want to be identified. There's some things we're not doing because they don't want that mark on us. Amen. We're not identifying with that crowd. We're not identifying with who they are. I want to stay as far away from who they are and what they're doing as we can get. I tell you what we do want to do. We want to identify with old time religion. We want to identify with that King James Bible. We want to identify with winning souls and going after sinners. We want to identify with worshiping God and shouting and praising God. It's still right to praise God in church. Amen. I've been in churches where nobody says amen. doesn't bother me. I mean, knowing the place and knowing how the people are, it really doesn't bother me. They love God every bit as much as we do. And they're sincere. But I thank God I go to Bible Baptist Church. I, I, I'm not trying to make, if I go to a church and they're quiet as a church mouth, it doesn't even bother me. Let them be who they are. Not going to try to make them us, but I sure ain't going to make us them. Can I get an amen right there? We still need people to testify. We still need people to say amen when the preacher's preaching. Even if he preaches past 12 o'clock. And don't get up and leave. Somebody say amen. Unless you've got a funeral to go to, you can hold on another 10 minutes this morning. Your schedule ain't that tight. You say, well, preacher, you hardly ever go over. Well, it'll be all right when I do. Somebody say amen. I don't ever want to be in a church when it gets 12 o'clock, 10 and 15 people start going to the car and leaving. Amen. If you'd put a crock pot on high rather than on slow, uh, then listen, it's your fault this morning. Amen. I'm telling you, God's time is important. Can I get an amen right there? Every now and then, we need to go in over time. Amen. We need to stay a little bit longer and a little bit later. Can I get a witness on that? Every now and then a man God needs to get plugged in and preach way past 12 o'clock so we don't get in a niche. Somebody say amen right there. I'm not for staying when God's not here. I just don't want to run out on him. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you this morning leadership, we don't want to, hey I don't want to be identified with the leaving at 12 o'clock crowd. Somebody say amen. And it's 12.05. Thank God we're not. And I'm preaching 10 more minutes. Listen to me. You know, there's some churches, guess what they've done? They've agreed to back their services up so they can close service at 1130 so that people can get to the restaurant and beat the crowd. God help. i tell you what I'd do. I'd move my membership if my church voted that. Some of y'all looking pale right now. Y'all still with me on it, aren't you? I mean, we don't want to cut it off at 12 o'clock because it's 12 o'clock, do we? I'm saying this morning, we don't want to be identified with that crowd. We don't want to be, well, I told somebody I'd be there at 1220. Shouldn't have told them that. Well, I don't want to, I want to keep my word. Your word ought to be is we're having church and I'll get out, we get out when the preacher gets done. Identity. I don't want to be identified with the contemporary movement. I don't want their music. I don't want their methods. I don't want their style of, of, of worship. I don't want to get rid of this pulpit. Somebody say amen. We don't want to get rid of the choir loft. We're not cut, you know, I, I, you know and I'm not fussing, but this, this will probably cost me meeting somewhere, but it's, the truth's the truth. I'm not even running a purple line. 
around the trim of the sanctuary. I don't know, you know, y'all with me on that? I go into churches where they're doing that now. I'm talking about independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist church. They, they ain't got bold enough to shoot the purple lights up yet, so they're just running a little bit of trim around there. You know what that's called, don't you? Turning the dial. See? Don't give you the whole ball of wax at one time. Let me spoon feed this to you just a little bit, Brother Bab. Let me get you used to a little purple line running, and then you'll come in here one way, and then the whole wall be be purple. And then the purple be too bright, so we paint the ceiling black. Which, I mean, some people have black ceilings because it's cheaper, I reckon, but I'm really out in it today, ain't I? They can't afford the ceiling tiles. They paint it black. I get that, okay? But it still makes me nervous. Somebody say, man. I'm just telling you, there are things. I'm not being critical of anybody else. I'm talking about right here. I'm not talking about nobody else's church. Uh, when I go to another church, I'm not the pastor. I'm not responsible for what they do. And I'm not there to criticize what they're doing. But there are lines you draw. I don't want to be identified. Are y'all with that this morning? I don't want to be identified with that. It's just something that we don't ever... He identified himself with David, the battle. We need to keep church, is what I'm saying, about worshiping God, preaching the Bible, winning souls. I'm not against... Y'all know I'm not against... Activities. I think young people, listen, they ought to have fellowship at church. Is that right this morning? I mean, if we don't let them have some functions and fellowship, where are they going to go? I'll tell you where they're going to go. They're going to go to the world. But we're going to keep it right, ain't we? We're going to keep the dress standard right. We're going to keep the things we do right. You know, you asked me about volleyball. Y'all help me. I'm praying about volleyball. Okay? I have to preach the second part tonight. He asked me with the right spirit. He said, hey, what are you going to do about this summer? I said, I don't know. He said, let me pray about it. And of course, Brother Tim said, well, I got asked, so I'm asking you. I'm, I'm, I'm defending you is what I'm doing right now, okay? He just come and said, what do you think about playing volleyball after church on Sunday nights? He said, I don't care what you do, preacher. That's, that's a good attitude, ain't it? I said, let me pray about it. You know, I want to tell you young people this. I love volleyball. Not against it. Played three hours of it at camp last year, and I'm going to tell you, I paid for it for three weeks. <laughs> I absolutely love it. But I don't know how I feel about it. Because we went on summer trip, and the volleyball net went with us. I was okay with that. It was fun, wasn't it? We went to camp and I had some counselors, some from our church, some from place, two o'clock in the morning, left their counselor uh, places and went out and played volleyball. And I didn't know about it till after camp was over. I'd have blew that slap out the back door. We don't do that. And then some of y'all joined the volleyball league. I don't know who did. But you got to think about, listen, You've got to think about me as a pastor. Now, y'all may have done right. I don't know. You may have done right. But I think about all of y'all sitting here. What if that boy right there joins the volleyball league and don't do right? You know where my mind's going back to? Sunday nights playing volleyball. Somebody said, Preacher, last year you okay with us playing volleyball? I'm sure I am, but I don't know. That I'm not okay with you joining leagues. 
Oh, I'm telling you, you're going to... Because I think about your spiritual being. Now, maybe y'all did right, but I don't know if all of y'all would do right. I don't even know what all that entails, but I'm just, I'm using as illustration. When I hear things, it, it disturbs me a little bit. You see my point? Identity. Where's it going to go? What's it going to lead to? We always have to think about that. Where's that going to go to? If it can be kept in the right frame of mind and every, everything, Brother Andrew, you get a hold of this. You probably have, but you get a Everything we do in life except what we do for God, it needs a governor put on it. Is that right? Everything we do. I like fishing. How many of y'all like fishing? Don't ever get to go. Went two years ago. Caught three trout. That was good. It's the last time I got to go fishing. I love going fishing. But it needs a governor on it. I like hunting. But it needs a governor on it. Hate golf. Don't know why anybody would want to play it. That don't need a gov- governor. That needs to be annihilated. <laughs> but if you love golf, I mean, hey, more power to you. That's your problem, you know. Everything has to have a governor. Identity. Identity. We always have to think about identity. Now, don't y'all get mad at me. I wasn't blowing out, you know. I kindly was, but I'm not 100% against it. Y'all know I like volleyball, don't you? I beat y'all in volleyball. It makes me feel good. I hate losing in it. I don't want anything to become the main thing except the main thing. And I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about my life. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing, don't we? Well, I'll preach part two tonight maybe. Let's all stand. Hey, I'm just saying, honorable leadership. He was a man of identity. He, he kept it in the forefront to be identified with the right things. We have to always keep that in the forefront. To be identified with the right things. This morning, our heads are about eyes are closed. I hope you know this morning, I'd never say anything to hurt you. I love every one of you this morning. I know you pray for me and I pray for you. But I always want to be in a place where we hear from God and His presence is real. I don't ever want to play church. And I would never say anything if I didn't love you this morning. I mean that with all my heart. If there's ever been a generation of young people that really need leaders, it's this one. And I want to say to you young parents, I think we got the best young parents we could ever have. You, I mean, the fact that you come and that you, are, you have such interest in raising your children in the right way, it speaks volumes of your testimony. And I, I thank God for you this morning. But I also know this. I know you stand where I stand. You're in the battle of your life and just trying to do what's right in a sick world that we're living in today that they want to tear down every moral principle that you're trying to teach to your children. And I want you to know I pray for you for that reason. It cannot be easy. It was hard when we were raising children. It's got to be triple hard today. But I want to encourage you. You can do it. You just stay the course. You be that honorable. Don't try to be your teenager's friend. You be their parent. You treat them how that 
you was raised and what you know is right. Don't ever second guess it. Don't let somebody ever sway you on what the Bible says is true. It's right. It may not always be easy, but I promise you, I promise you, it's always right. Even when it's not easy. I'm going to tell you, preaching this morning was not easy. But it was right. And it will help us. God will help us this morning. And I know that you want to be that honorable leader. If you've made mistakes, there's grace, there's mercy. And God will help you.